Today I am here with Napoleon Marietta. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, Marietta. Marietta, and we are in Phoenix on a Saturday. And today we'll be talking about issues within Arizona, at least southern Arizona. Uh, One of those being Loop 202 and the border and how it affects tribal sovereignty. Um, Feel free to introduce yourself. So, my name is Napoleon Marietta. I am Akamaratam, Tanatam, and Pipash. I guess a colonial terms would be the Gila River Indian community, Tanatam Nation, and uh, part of the Salt River Pima Maricopa community. Um, so I mostly grew up on the Gila River uh, Indian Reservation, District 4, Mamas, and Tanatam, uh, Tanatam Nation, and also relatives in the Pipash community. Yeah. So today, Napoleon's the first uh, first native who is not Navajo that I've had on the podcast. But I've been meaning to branch out and not just keep it a, a Navajo issue because a lot of what you know one tribe face sets the precedent on how other tribes are treated as well. Um, and and you know the hot topics of the border, you know, with this current administration as well as the settler state, um, but also just the Loop Two Hundred Two. Do you want to talk about? Uh, the Loop 202 and what it means for the tribes in that area? Yeah, so the 202 is a project that has been uh, around for since the 80s um, that the Arizona Department of Transportation has been trying to get through. Uh, numerous Through numerous years, we've seen lack of funding. We've seen people not really being supportive of it. We've seen the tribe vote against it numerous times. We've seen... Um, activist or I wouldn't say activists but uh, people from the community elders um, you know people like me who are um, in institutions like education and really being against this this uh, this freeway project and what makes it important to us is because it it's supposed to go through um, one of our sacred areas um, since uh, time memorial we've always held that place to be uh, sacred to us i guess in a, in a western context sacred a religious site where we heal we, we were healing we were holding uh, ceremonial events can't get into exact detail um and we've known that place to be uh, a sacred site for us and our origins and it not only connects to us, but it connects to all of the autumn uh, in southern Arizona, Akchin, Salt River, Donna Autumn, um, the Peeposh, and also, also, uh, you know, the autumn, the Hiachir autumn, who are in uh, the over the so-called border, uh, 
in uh, Sonora, Mexico. So we all have uh, ties to that mountain, and it it creates really a really um, a division because we have people who are for it within the community and people who are against it in the community, and that that makes it an internal struggle to where we we really want to um, you know we really want to fight this colonial structure and it's you know it's on both ends <clears throat> yeah thank you that's that's i think that's a very good uh description of what you're talking about uh you know I, i'm from phoenix and i grew up in phoenix but i had very little knowledge of the tribes that actually this land is occupied in or yeah the tribal lands that it belonged to originally so you know as i grew up and became more politically conscious i started to like all right I, if i'm gonna live in this area i should at least know whose land it was originally um you said that, you know, the main opposition to it, is it, you know, from a more of a tribal, uh, it, it's it's more of a sacred site, so a lot of people are against it. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we went through, I would say we went through the whole political system, you know, voting, blah, 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 you know, voting, uh, raising awareness in, in other communities and, you know, of course, you know, ADOT being one of the, the the higher entities here in this in Phoenix, they're not going to really, you know, respect tribal sovereignty, respect, you know, the religious aspects of, of people who used to, who they say used to occupy this, this area, which we still do. But I mean, that's what kind of the environmental racism that we, we suffer right now, mm-hmm. um, dealing with ADOT and uh, MAG also. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons to really there's a lot of issues going on with that right now. Yeah, you, it seems like the the political system and all the ways that you've undertook those uh, pathways seem to fail you. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be a common trait with a lot of tribal uh, issues is that you know we take this route that's supposedly the right way to do things and yet it still fails us. Um, that that's always like a testimony to the power dynamics you know, between the U.S. and tribal uh, people. Now, you mentioned that there are people who are for the highway. Do you know what their reasons are for, you know, being, wh- wh- why they're for it? Well, so, I'm not going to mention any names or just, or <laughs> anything like that. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my, my experiences when we've been into meetings, um, district meetings, which districts, are, our community is divided, or the Gila River is divided into districts. And so, because they're the one of the closest tribal communities to the mountain, and it resides in one of our our districts, it goes across uh, Kamat, uh District Six. Um, since it goes through there, their um, their tribe, well, the district's councilmen are usually the ones that speak on it. And from my experiences going to their their. Uh, their hearing, their community hearings, and uh, we get on the, we would get on the schedule and talk about how we feel about this and why aren't we fighting it. Um, and just to give you a brief overview, like we never had districts, we never were separated. Mm-hmm. We we go in, we tell that we are autumn. We we all have, you know, the land is for everyone. You know, there's no, there was never no division of people's like oh that's my that's my land there's there's none of that you know we all shared it we all took care of it we all had 
a similar value to it. And so when we go in there, we, um, numerous colleagues of mine and everybody and a lot of the elders go in there and talk about the importance and significance to it, even of those who haven't learned about what it means to them. And usually it becomes a debate that, you know, well, you don't live here, well, you're not from here, um, you know, you don't, you know, you don't know what traffic comes through Mm -hmm. you don't know how bad our roads are it becomes this this really colonial viewpoint of of progress within it's flipped in within a a community context tribal community context that is really just to me is really you know 360 from what i believe and growing up and and granted it's it's not has hasn't been so-called traditional my mother did tap, but my mother knows the story. She knows the area, and learning from her grandpa, you know the significance of these of these places and spaces. It's important that we don't forget about that. And uh, usually, we get usually people in the community get tricked up by, you know, governmental politics of like, well, it's easier said than done, and uh, all this other stuff that kind of gets in the way and uh, we've had a few few disputes with some of the some of their older folk who you know will just automatically come on the attack and it gets to the point where you, they say you know well, you don't even speak the language or you talk you can say all your college educated blah 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 but you don't really know what it is I hike up that mountain every day do you do that you know it becomes like this back and forth yeah. To see who can have validation of what it feels like it's claiming, you know, it's just like, well, this is in our area, so why? It's like, no, that's not true. You know, we all have, you know, we all have importance. Yeah, that's really interesting because you bring up a lot of things that are things that I see within my tribe as well, the Navajo Nation, or I guess the Diné people, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we are split into 110 chapter houses and. Some of those chapter houses say that they deserve more money based on certain things. And, you know, they hold claim to certain areas and they say, oh, well, we suffer the consequences here and you benefit from over there. You know, who are you to say what happens here? And it does become tricky. And that seems to be what's going on, at least in in that community, is that there's communities that are for for and against it. And the, the main reason that they say is because I'm from here, I know what's going on. Even the fact that, like, there's division amongst people based on college education, you know, language. Language politics is a, is a very difficult thing to unravel. Um, that's, that's really interesting. Has, uh, you know, what, what's the tribal consultation been like, you know, from your experience? Has it been, you know, did you get the full package where they come to your tribe and, like, this is what we're going to do, you know? Or what's that been like, the tribal consultation aspect of things? So from when I entered, um, when I got more involved, along with uh, other people who have been in this fight for a long time, the, the consultation has always been black and white. Um, it's never been really fully explained. I don't think there's been a 100% full... Um, what do you, uh, full investigation on what actually what communities want and what the you know what the city of Phoenix or ADOT wants. There's always there's been since the 80s just back and forth. You know we're gonna do this, but it was only on there until until they finally decided 
oh wait, there's a tribal community that this, this is going to impact. However, when we vote, when they voted a no, no build at all. Um, previously, there was, you know, routes suggested, alternatives. We said no, there was nothing at all. We don't want any of them. No, I'm good. Sorry about that. Uh, there was a no. There was a decision on no build at all, mm-hmm. and uh, on or off tribal lands. That's and you know we're really fighting fighting it from a, a traditional point of view, quote unquote. Um, you know we don't want anything going through it yeah. on or off reservation because that's colonial and all these other things. What had happened was is that some people kind of looked at it and said, wait, this isn't even on tribal land. You know, their border is not, it's not even touching their, you know, yeah. it still goes through, you know, doesn't even go through fully their reservation. Um, so we'll just cut through where it's most important. Um, and that's what pretty much what was going on, what happened. And um, the tribal consultation, I mean, we've had people go back and forth from the cultural preservation office to... You know, meetings to ADOG meetings, and we've been in there. I've been in there. It's just we've been to our tribal government um, and give them information on what we can be using. You know, what laws and acts and policies this this um, this affects, and it's just been you know a fight. Yeah. So that's what it's just been back and forth, uh, and. and I think it really comes what it comes down to looking on a Western framework is that the policies show in the courts, right? So in the courts, there was a, you know, we fought Ninth Circuit, different circuits here in San Francisco, and it's always been taken up a notch. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't had much, there hasn't been any quote unquote winning in those courts. They, you know, decided again, um, rule against it. You know, we filed an injunction, ruled against it. You know, it's it's, and I think that's where really the policies really, um, they really show on how much we're we're actually fighting this in the court colonial court system. And uh, just to point out that the numerous times when we've been fighting it, this whole entire time, you know, within the Western framework, there's been. Uh, a, commu- a tribal judge and uh, she was the one ruling against all these and it was interesting to kind of see that that, that whole um, grow- that whole knowing who you are and identity and everything and, and all of a sudden we're fighting against someone who's from a prominent community you know that we hear a lot of stuff about and all of a sudden they're voting against a you know, against a religious sacred site. So, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you're referring to uh, Di- uh, Judge Diane. I believe her name is Himiestua. I, I could be... Himetua, yeah. Yeah, Himetua, yeah. And she's, I believe she's Hopi. Yeah. And, you know, you always hear stories about, like, tribal people going into these positions and then somehow ending up on the wrong side of, yeah. you know, of the, of the colonial uh, structure. Um, it makes you question whether it's like even in, like you know why should I even go into this or why should I even engage in this kind of politics, and that was something I was going to ask you about your opinion on is and you've kind of touched on it. It was like how did you feel when you found out that a Hopi judge 
you know, ruled against, uh, or I guess in favor of the, uh, the Loop 202. You know, in, in the beginning, <clears throat> there, is, there, is, there is a lot of anger and um, frustration. Now, I don't know how, you know, she grew up or, you know, her background. It's, it's tough, you know, because you don't really know the person. And usually, um, usually it comes with, you know, first impressions or everything. So when I kind of did some research and finding out who she was, I found out she went to ASU and got her college degree here and went to law school. And talking to a number of of people who knew her, it was, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, well, we were kind of worried on where that one would go or... It's kind of like, yeah, we kind of figured that it was a, um, she's going to be part of something. We just didn't know what. All of a sudden you hear this and it's launching this big case and hearing about the woman judge and, you know, first native woman judge and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden what isn't talked about is how she's ruling against making decisions against us that is harming us. You know, even though she got her education here on our, in our homelands, it's, 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 the disrespect that comes from that, you know, not respecting where she was, you know, where she learned all of this. So I think a lot of it, my my viewpoint is that I don't think she's ever been out there. I don't think she's ever seen what they're doing truthfully. So therefore, she doesn't, you know, it's not a big, big issue, you know, that this is for helping the community, trying to get people from one place to another, you know, that whole progress stuff. So... Yeah, yeah. that's interesting that you bring up the fact that, you know, she grew up on this land, she learned from this land, and yet she was willing to just go against the actual indigenous, there are the indigenous people of that land, mm-hmm. and that is, that definitely can be very disheartening, and I can only imagine uh, what, it, what it feels like, you know, for you to invite someone who's indigenous um, or I guess not invite, but the, uh, someone of indigenous, uh, you know, they come to you, your land, they learn all the language, you know, they learn, you know, they have an education, they actually live out here too, so they benefit on the disposition of your people, and then they further perpetuate it. Um, and this is something that I've always been interested in, and I this started up after I left a little bit, you know, after I left Phoenix, I don't really know much about it other than what I've read in the articles. You know, how does, what would you say the, the tribes are, is it like a 50-50 split, or is there like more people in favor of being against it? What's your take on um, the position of the tribes that are involved in this? The tri- other tribal communities, or mine? The main, I guess if you want to speak to yours only, um, mm. but also just maybe the other tribes involved, you know? Mm. So in our court case, we tried to get other communities to support um, our efforts to stop this. You know, we reached out to a lot of other communities, and we also, um, there was some historical backgrounds that, you know, that other communities have ties to the mountain too, or at least there was some historical things that went on there. You know, um, there might have been wars or something, people buried there. There was, and then there is burial sites out there too. So that's another thing that uh, we try to really press against and understanding other communities' histories, you know, whether or not those be tradition enemies or allies or anything like that. that any, historical con- any historical narrative that we try to push or that 
protects those areas from those who have gone um, was important. Other tribal communities, yes, we have solidarity with, you know, um, those who are fighting against the desecration of their sacred areas, you know, Nadine people and Apache yeah. folks and a lot of the smaller communities understand and even people who live here in the, the in the Phoenix area, a lot of the occupied, you know, people who I meet are, you know, from those other communities too, so they they also want to know. Not to go as far as much as uh, people at ASU, because um, you're exposed to all kinds of communities, even outside of Arizona. Yeah. Um, so there's always a, a time where we've been able to educate people on where they're at, um, ASU being one of them, and kind of retelling the narrative of this place. Um, as far as our community goes, um, as being autumn, relating to all the all of the communities, um, we've brought in elders from Salt River, from Thana Autumn. We brought in elders from Akchin. There is always a consensus where we all the tribal communities, all the autumn tribes, come together. We really um, break down a lot of the colonial systems and structures that we see is that is hurting, harming us the most. And when this freeway, when this project came up, numerous times there have been um, gatherings, socials where we pray or we run um, for it, doing it in our own way of, of fighting against it. And we could talk about politics and governmental things all day when it comes down to just being autumn and understanding where we how we fight it and how we've always done things, we it's a different narrative. And uh, we've gotten so many people involved and that builds a lot of strong, um, it builds a, a strength within our community, not just being, you know, Gila River's fight or, you know, Salt River's fight only. It's because it was never like that. And that's what we're really trying to bring to the front that these colonial borders and what you're pulling through, what you're, what you're desecrating is all of us, is all of us, you know, peoplehood, so, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting, I, and you mentioned the fact that, like, there is solidarity, the importance of solidarity between, you know, indigenous people within the U.S., but also North America, too, because, you know, the desecration of sacred sites is not just a, a particular instance within mm -hmm. You know your tribe and the you know loop two loop two hundred two. It's also like a Navajo. It's an Apache. Yeah. You know, Standing Rock. All of these things are all linked because of, uh, you know, things being done in the name of progress at the expense of indigenous people. And, you know, that I think that's very important to point out because that's something we need now more than ever. Is that we need to definitely have solidarity, because. Uh, you know, there's just strength in numbers, you know, organizing. Plus, we, we bring different perspectives to the table and how to, you know, go through and to struggle against such things. You, 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 you mentioned talking about colonial borders, and I think this would be a good time to kind of segue into the next discussion, which is, you know, the U.S. border that's kind of being built between, uh, I believe it's the Tohoto Altham, yeah. their reservation. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so the, I mean, the, the border has been, um, and despite popular media about, uh, you know, keeping out so-called immigrants and and, uh, and people of 
traveling through, you know, coming from Mexico and everywhere else. Uh, despite popular media, there's there's always this erasure of, uh, of of the indigenous community that is there, which is you know Tono Autumn, uh, people of the desert, and uh, and also the Hiachat Autumn who are on the other side of it, Sand people who are on the other side, which we have uh, traditional ties to as well, which holds significance to us. Uh, we we consider them in our in our history too, despite the colonial borders. Um, so that where to begin? So there's a lot of there's a lot of um, issues that go on there. There are the integrated fixed towers uh, that surveil heavily on the borders. Um, there's mass amount of you know border patrol who continue to harass elders. To harass people of the community, to you know, disenfranchise a lot of what our traditional upbringings have been. Um, there have been numerous stories about this and how they they mistreat a lot of people. Um, so there's a lot. Uh, I think one of them is ceremonial purposes that I think is is just the most at the forefront. The ceremonial purposes being. Uh, disenfranchise um, in order to go over you have to have a passport all these other things even though uh, you're from there and uh, you know you're autumn and you and some of the people some of the elders don't even speak English you know they, they just know autumn or they know you know Spanish or autumn because they grew up in that area mm-hmm. and because of that they get mixed in with all the other uh, folks or they get you know they get heavily surveilled, mm-hmm. um, and doing thing and doing things as far as uh, ceremonial, traditional things um, that we gather from one part of the border to the other. Um, those have been cut off too, as well. Uh, it's kind of like uh, if you were to take it in anatomy, it's like cutting off a circulation to your arm. Uh, or cutting off a vein that's important because not only but for all of us too because it was traditional things that would happen and because of that border it's really sliced through a lot of what we what we do and how we do things so I think there's at the forefront it is just um, the importance of, of being who you are mm-hmm. and when that's damaged it, it just causes a lot of conflict between people yeah, there's something to like, you know, empire building, you know, with colonial, uh, colonial structures, is that they always like to put up walls, like, you know, and I think to to some degree we get swept in, we get swept up into it, you know, indigenous people we start to adopt those things, like, I've seen native people say build a border, you know, and I'm like, why are you doing that, or like, why do you support such things, and they're like, oh, you know, national security, and it's some bogus example for that. But they don't realize how it affects, you know, the ancestral, the people from that ancestral land, like the Tio, uh, the Tohoro Otham people. And, you know, when I, re- when I was reading the articles, the, a lot of it, the time, too, is it's like the, I feel like there's going to, I mean, there's already obvious, there's obvious racism already, you know? But just the way that the U.S. kind of polices bodies and skin color already, it's just going to be, it's going to, like, heighten 
you know, racism even more to the people in that area who, you know, don't identify as, like, American or, you know, quote-unquote Mexican or south of the border. You know, they're indigenous. They've been to that line already. And they just so happen to look like, you know, people south, but also people north of the border, you know? And so I feel like there's going to be large moments of discrimination. And, you know, can you... When you mentioned the harassment of the Border Patrol, do you know any specific uh, stories that you have? To, you know, what, what it looks like? Um, my friend, well, yeah, there's times where, um, where my friends would travel back and forth. And uh, you kind of see there's this... Um, when you're kind of sitting there waiting to get your car checked because uh, they have that the checkpoint you know you kind of peek around and look in there there's been numerous times unusual that you know other folk are not um, they're not double checked or they bring out the dogs or something you know they kind of oh okay you're good um, there's been times where my friends have been numerous times double double checked or they bring out the dogs to make sure they open up they tell them to get out of the car open up the, all of the you know the back seat what's that is this your daughter really having to explain themselves on what they're what they're doing um, you see that more times than once um, so that's kind of the the the, the racism that I've, I've heard and how uh, smart remarks sometimes uh, from from the border patrol you know they kind of question where you headed, where you're going. You know, they, when you pull out your ID, like, um, you know, is that your real name? You know, all this other stuff that is just really, really, you know, dumb to come across. I mean, what, what, what I don't, what, what I don't get is that how, you know, you're questioning of someone's identity when they're standing on an exact area that where they which they're from Mm -hmm. and so uh numerous times this has been you know my mom was just like well what's that people just don't have education about where they're at you know they don't know that there's a there's a whole nation out there that 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 is just not just where the border is there's just further than that so i think just people who have lack education come off very racist and very you know uneducated and a lot of things and that falls on the people that are from the area and we know this stuff because we investigate every single part of what what's going to happen you know we investigate we do more research than they do you know and we know what to expect when we cross these these so-called borders we know that we're going to have to you know open up our trunk we know that you know blah 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 um that we have to be watching what we do um and they're just coming off as ignorant not really taking any consideration of the people around there. I think that comes with just the whole militarization and the harmful effects that it has. Yeah. I, you know, the I think there's one thing, too, and I've mentioned this, is that I think, you know, it'd be really cool. What you might not know is that Napoleon is a grad student, you know, AIS, and, you know, he's trying to figure out exactly what he should study. And I was telling him he should go try to do, like, a, a study of the border. And I think the borders play a really good role because they not only define the new colonial state, 
but in the way that they define it, they erase the previous um, pe- the previous people who were living there. You know, like you mentioned, is that they don't even know what Tahoto Altham is. I'm indigenous, and I didn't even know what that meant until recently, and I was like, oh, shit. You know, so there is definitely, like, a, a conscious erase, erasure of indigenous people. And, you know, and that's something, too, is that Navajo people... Uh, they can be a little bit ignorant of that as well. And I think the one border that we have, which I don't know if it's really even a border, it's uh, the state line, but yeah. no, it, there's no difference. I mean, the, the border between the U.S. and Mexico is a much stricter border, it's much more politicized, you know, and with Trump being in power and he's trying to find funding and, you know, try to get people to build it, I really respect the fact that the Tejota Altham people are resisting that. I think one of the quotes I always see is like, over my dead body will you you know, build this wall. And that's, I think that's very, very, very powerful. And it's something that other tribes need to either respond in solidarity or support. Uh, You know, the Navajo Nation goes through its own issues, but it's, I don't know if we're really good at offering support, even though we're the big, we're the first, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but (laughs) but we're the largest land base. And I think the the Tohoto Altham people have the second largest land base. And, you know, there's definitely a need, a talk that needs to happen between, well, I guess between those two nations, whether it be the officials or the the communities working together. And, you know, you see that here, you know, you you work with some Diné, I don't want to say activists as well, but, you know, you work with Diné organizers, you know, what's been your experience, you know, working with other tribes in the city, Um, feel other tribal members I should say um there's a lot there's a lot of support um a lot of it is coming from you know people who do have that large land base and also you know others like the Pascoyaki uh, tribal community who is another southern tribe that uh isn't in there with the you know, despite popular media, but they face border issues as well because uh, their traditional homelands, um, they, they, they have similar struggles too. Um, and uh, just other tribal communities who understand, I mean, pretty much um, a lot of tribal communities who understand the, the sacredness of, of holding traditional teachings, doing things traditionally, and how borders definitely divide those up and erase a lot of what their identity, who they are, where they come from. Uh, my experience hasn't been bad at all. I mean, people want to know, people just don't know. Um, when you're saying a lot of people don't know um, what goes on here in Phoenix or what goes on down there, uh, or even in Salt River, their area, uh, Red Mountain and all these other areas that are heavily impacted by all of this. Um, it's not, and I can't really blame, you know, people, folks who are from other communities who don't know uh, what's going on because of because of the of the lack of education, the lack of you know people coming out and identifying and understanding what's going on. Um, so I can't really blame people for not knowing. You know, that's where you're you're given that chance to educate um, and socialize with a lot of communities. And I think we build a, a bigger, stronger network within that because 
you know, other people, we're all over the place, you know, and I know Diné people are all over the place too, so whenever I'm able to speak to a lot of people, they're able to take that, their struggles and hear and address a lot of the issues and we do the same, you know, if you know anybody who's awesome out there, you know, let them know what's going on or, you know, I've been dragged to uh, Navajo Nation a couple of times and I've talked to really important, you know, people and elders and they're like, yeah, we, we understand what's going on. You know, we deal with the same thing up here, you know, and, and it's really that, that solidarity that we're all building. And I think it's a new, uh, a hope that once, once we've built that stronger strength that we'll all be able to come together and fighting a lot of these issues. Yeah, that sounds like pretty good to hear, you know, that solidarity, at least within the city, is pretty... It's pretty tight between the groups. Uh, I always like hearing that. And for me, the city is always, is always a good spot for organizing because there's a lot of contradictions. It's more obviously seen than it is on the res, you know. Yeah. And, you know, you, you come across people who are more likely... Or no, I don't want to say that, but you come across different people and you see the interconnectedness of... Sorry, I just hiccups. How um, these indigenous people deal with, you know, colonialism, you know, and that's pretty much how we met. I feel like how do we meet? What what if we met? So we, who did we meet through? Think. It was that uh, border coalition, right? Yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. So so. Oh was, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was in, dragged into that border coalition, <laughs> and someone else who won't be named, but that's how we ended up. I guess talking or meeting up. Yeah. And then I'm also Mandy and all them. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, so and that's the beauty too is that, you know, and the the I think it was Border Town Justice Coalition. Yeah, there you go. Uh that is, you know, something that came into us and that we try to focus on issues that occur in Border Town. Usually it's racism or police violence. Yeah. Um so, you know, what's and this is, you know, like if you, if you want to speak to more of this is you know, what would you like to see in the future, you know, for Phoenix and, you know, organizing? What is something that you would like to build or strengthen, you know? This could be within your community or just organizing in general with other uh, indigenous communities. Uh, there's a lot. Um, I mean, Nothing is limited, right? So yeah. we're always fighting for, for more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, recognition is something that is, is, is a new thing nowadays. ASU did some sort of plaque where uh, they recognize that they're on the traditional homelands of, uh, you know, the Hakamarotam and the Piposh. There's always a step further, you know. You have, well, what about tuition? What about all these things? That, there's always more to it. Yeah. Um, from this current state that we're in right now, um, I think a lot of it is building networks and solidarity, and understanding that where Phoenix is is not limited to who the people are, where the people are, um, as far as the traditional homelands or where we come from. That we're not gone or we're not erased or, you know. Nothing is really gone from what we were fighting for. So, uh, I guess respecting our existence, respecting our, our, our ways, and, and respecting our, 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 uh, what is it? 
respecting our, our, our way of life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, respecting what, how we do things, what we want, um, and this isn't coming from a, this is not coming from a, you know, begging or, you know, on the other side, it's, we're on the same, we're on top of all of that, we're, we're not, um, coming from a, a victim mentality, a victim mentality. Yeah. we're, we're ahead of the game, we're, we're here, um, by all means, you should be coming to us, and we should be having a say in everything. Yeah. It's not, we're, we're not coming from this, oh, we need you, um, type of mentality. There's a lot of things that we, that there's still to be addressed. And uh, one of them is just, you know, having that recognition and respect. Because I think that's what, for all of us, for a lot of Native people, it's that respect that first comes down to it. You know, there's no respect, then, you know, we're going to have disagreements you know I think we're at a lot of disagreements right now on how things are being played in this freeway border issue is a huge disagreement so as you can see things are not things are not well things are not balanced we have a lot of imbalance and we're trying to bring things balanced again so I think a lot of that is is in the future to have that balance and um, we might not I might not even see that in my lifetime but it's important that we teach our youth and our kids to, to understand what, expose them to these things, teach them about, you know, what's going on and why that, why these things are important. Um, so I think that it really comes down to the future hold of, of, of the youth and anyone who comes after that. So I guess that would be like a future, futuristic type thing. Yeah. Well, you, you actually get into what I was going to ask Ken is, or what I was going to ask in the uh, Damn it! What I was going to ask you, which is mm-hmm. what what is indib- ugh, what is indigenous liberation mean to you, and how would you like to go to that? And you kind of mentioned it, but I guess maybe then you can just say like, you know, maybe in a statement or like a, a thesis statement <laughs> since you're in grad school. But like, you know, like what does indigenous liberation mean to you? Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I guess liberation would, would look uh, like a lot like uh, there's a lot just for at the time I am now um, you know back then libera- it wasn't called liberation but it was just you know doing what you traditionally hold value nowadays in this present where we are liberation would look undoing a lot of these colonial structures um and I think once you do a lot, undo a lot of the colonial structures, it's like, you know, de-weaving, you know, and un- un- unravels a lot of a ball of yarn, you know, it kind of like once you pick out one of the pieces, you start unraveling and things kind of kind of unravel all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that happens, you start having those, those uh, realizations of like, wow, you know, everything's kind of never envisioned this or never thought of it like that um, and I think what, what really grasped the unraveling of, of a lot of the yarn or whatever it is that is so built up is that you start to see a lot of the the, the heal, no, not healing but like the knowledge and everything that was one, that was that is trying to be taken away you start getting more involved into it um, for instance when, you, when I started taking classes, 
part of it was being uh, open to a lot of the trauma or whatever happy in these institutions you you for me um, language revitalization language um, revitalization or language learning the language is important and why is it that we couldn't learn the language or I'm still struggling with it and to go back and talk to your family and everything you start to unravel that say okay I know traditional like we spoke the language mm-hmm. now being in these institutions how do I incorporate that and uh, has to do with a lot of the policies and everything that we have to deal with in our schools you know native kids don't learn you know off them one on one some more fortunately do but those are on the reservation you know there are a lot of urban kids who don't and once you start unraveling those policies of which like hey we have native kids here who are autumn who speak the language just like Spanish or any other main language um, so once you start a lot of the liberation starts small I think starting out small uh, against any type of colonial policy that that seems to be disenfranchising a lot of indigenous folks it starts starts from that um, and we see it back and forth we see people who are or we see it in many ways like liberation for someone indigenous liberation would be for somebody is as being a lawyer and fighting against the co- the yeah. politics of, of the law or you know being like most act um, not activists but people who you know get arrested for things that are that are going on that that's liberation so it, it's it's a wide frame of things but I think it's really showing those acts and efforts that we see um, because to me when I see that it's like it's pretty much it's fighting for that 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 right for them to be who they are I think that's what really liberation comes down to mm-hmm. in simplest terms I'd say when we go to the mountain when we go to these sacred sites we're autumn first we're not you know teachers we're not school teachers yeah. liberation is holding that who you are for indigenous folks we put that spin on it I think when I go it's just like we're autumn you know you're not a government leader you're not you know a lawyer a police officer we go down there we pray we do these things we're autumn mm-hmm. we're all one people so I think that's a, a strong tie to hold on to yeah. I, I really like the 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 metaphor, or I guess the analogy, I'm not really sure <laughs> what, it, what the proper word is, but of the, of the fact that it's kind of unweaving, and not just because I'm Diné and we love weaving, but, <laughs> <laughs> but more of just the fact that it is definitely a giant ball of yarn. It's super tangled. It's, you know, you can't touch upon one thing without stumbling upon five other issues, you know, with language you know, you want to revitalize. So you go to education. Education is tied to funding, tied to who creates the agendas for that. And then it goes back to, you know, the relationships and everything. Yeah, and and, and what we see here, um, from my personal experience, this ball of yarn is passed down to next generations. And some of them are given this whole big mess of things that um, we're kind of confused too. For instance, our ancestors, their struggles are still here. Mm-hmm. And we're given this huger ball of yarn because now we have colonial borders. Now we have all these different things that are still piling on. And when you're kind of growing up and you finally realize, oh, shoot, these are a lot of things Grandpa was talking about. Yeah. Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? 
and that's where you get some of you know the the elders and the middle age and then the youth who are battling each other because they're given this huge mess of things and we're all trying to pull apart what was back then to now you know and a lot of the times you know it's just like it's not if it's not one thing it's another like oh you go to school though it's like okay but i'm learning the language you know there's a lot of things that are just being we're all given to and we're trying to really unweave a lot even with our own people um so i think what we're seeing is a lot of that that stuff is being passed down not i'm not talking about historical trauma or anything i'm just talking about basic struggles that we're dealing with um you know we can pick apart each other and 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 say all kinds of things but we're all going through that um one of the good metaphors that i heard was that we're you know there's a fire but then there's you know there are some who are closer to that fire that sacredness and some who are kind of distant but they're still there and we're all trying to become the fire and, and ignite that but there's still people who come from different areas that are closer to it or are way far away and we're trying to all connect so that we all get to one common area and i think that's what a lot of us are trying to do um and it's 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 tough right now in these days and age because everything is so advancing everything is um coming out of nowhere sometimes so i think that unweaving a lot of it is is just the beginning um and even asking the question if are people even ready for that or you know like i said like it might not even seem like in our in our lifetime that we would see this but uh maybe in the future when people are ready for that So, yeah, you, you summed up a lot of very interesting points. And I think this is, you know, it's coming to the end of it. You know, are there any final words that you'd like to, you know, end up on? Uh, are there any final words that you would like to part with? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Um... Mm. we're still here learn about us um, we're the awesome um, <laughs> you know don't be afraid to ever speak to somebody you know um, I seen that it was Malcolm X's uh, birthday today so yeah it's actually uh, it's Ho Chi Minh's birthday yeah it's, and Malcolm X yeah uh, there's another famous activist um, what's her name uh let me, give me time to Google it, but keep, yeah, go ahead. I like one of uh, his quotes. He said, by any means necessary, I've always, I've always grew fond of that quote. So, let me, so, I guess I, I kind of want to end with that is, you know, the famous radical people whose birthday it is today, <laughs> who, yeah. it, who's also a birthday is, it's my birthday too. Oh, no, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's. I guess I'll end it off with a couple quotes. Ho Chi Minh's quote is, remember the storm is a good opportunity for the pine and the cypress to show their strength and their stability. You know, that's always my, you know, when we're talking about strength and and in a way kind of talking about solidarity is, you know, two tribes and all the struggles that we face is that the best, that's like the best time for us to really show each other that we support each other, but also support, you know, we have internal strength. And I am going to figure out what her name is, Maria... Hold on really quick. Famous. Chinese woman. Actor. 
What is her name? 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 I'm trying to like make noise so it's not dead air. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Hold on really quick. Let me see. I saw a friend post it right now. I'm going to go through it. But yeah, I, I was going to ask you, you know, in the meantime, are there any, are there, you know, some authors that you're reading right now? Are there, you know, specific indigenous academics, maybe organizers that really inspire you? Organizers, I mean, I mean, there's a lot. Um, within an institution like ASU, we have really good, strong indigenous women who are pushing for, you know, a lot of things. So having that support from them is, is, is from a lot of the women that are in these institutions have um, are super knowledgeable about uh, fighting in ways that I haven't even think thought of, you know, because being a male and everything else, indigenous man or whatever, um, it helps fuel the ignition of, of how, why it's important that we continue these struggles. Uh, I guess it really comes from a lot of it is, is uh, you know, my mom, obviously. Um, I wouldn't say she's an activist, but she just kind of just talks and then you kind of just learn that, oh, this is activism. But that's just like that, you know, westernized thinking. When it's really just, no, this is what our stories are, what we're told. Yeah. So I think a lot of that. Authors, I haven't really been able to read because uh, I'm trying to take a break from all that. But in the American Indian Studies, you kind of read the same old stuff that Vine Deloria, all those other folks. I think Sarah Deer is one of the good ones, though. Uh, if they haven't read her books, she has and articles too. Um, she has really good articles and stuff about um, domestic violence, rape, uh, Western rape, uh, Western narratives that are uh, perpetuating rape against Indigenous women. So she has good books out there too. So yeah. Yeah. So. The I found the activist. Her name is Yuri Kuchiyama. She was one of the Asian activists who worked with the Black Panthers. And the quote that I think would be a really good ending to end with is: "Remember that consciousness is power." Yeah. You know, and that implies education. That requires um, acting on it too. But thank you. I appreciate coming. You know, you meeting with me. You're definitely one of the few people that I I really wanted to get on this podcast at an early at an early start. And I wanted, you know, the audience, whoever listens to me, to also be introduced to the struggles that uh, the author people face and how they're linked to kind of how they're linked to the Navajo struggle as well. We didn't necessarily talk about it, but it's kind of implied, you know, in the same treatment Navajo people face versus, you know, the same treatment that the author people think, um, that the author people face. But thank you. I appreciate it. You know, um.